0: So I want to invite you to go with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So I want to talk to you tonight about godly character. Character is a word that describes the qualities of a person's nature. It is the moral attributes and tendencies. You know, a tendency is the way you uh, naturally go, uh, the, the, the direction you're leaning in. It is the moral attributes and tendencies that constitute an individual's personality. It is a combination of inward attitudes and outward actions. So God, and this is no surprise to you, God wants us to be people of good character who live in a way that reflects his work in our lives and his presence in our hearts. Let's try that again. God wants us to be people of good character. Hmm. Who live in such a way that reflects his work in our hearts. So in other words, you don't have you should not have to tell anyone you're a Christian. Right? They should see Christ in you. Right? Uh, so they should be able to see by the way we live, his work in our lives, his presence in our heart. Jesus said, this is how everyone will know that we are his disciples. If we have a cross around our neck. If we have a big family Bible under our arm. If we have Jesus tattooed on our elbow. No, if we walk, if we live a life of love. And John thirteen verse thirty five. So people cannot see your theology, but they can see your character. Right? So your character either underscores what you believe or cancels it out. See? Now notice the scripture, Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-five. Don't get too quiet on me now. Galatians five twenty-five says this, if we live by the Spirit let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I think we could paraphrase this verse this way. If the Holy Spirit has imparted to us eternal life, zoe, the very life and nature of God, then by following the Holy Spirit, we will be walking in the nature and character of God. Amen? So what that means is this. Every born-again Christian has the potential for godly character. Every born-again Christian has the potential for godly character because they have God's DNA. In their spirit. You're you're not just a, a convert to the Christian religion. You're far from that. You have been born of the Spirit of God. God gave birth to your spirit the day you received Christ Jesus as your Lord. There was a transformation, a revolution in your spirit. Amen? But character is not what you are capable of doing it's how you actually live. See, every Christian has the potential to live this way, but not every Christian has good character. And you don't need to try to figure out who I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about you. (laughs) Character is not who you appear to be in public, it's who you really are in private. Character is how you live behind closed doors. Character is what you do when nobody is watching you. Okay, let's try that again. Character is what you do behind closed doors. Amen. Reputation is what people think you are. Character is what God knows you are. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we should be the same person on the job, in the classroom, in the market, as we are in the church. We should be the same person. Amen? We should not become Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Right? Some people... If you bump into them, you know, in the town on a Monday, you don't even recognize them. Oh, It's hard to imagine that's the same person. You know, he not only talks differently, he acts differently. No, no, we should be the same person. Some people, of course, obviously they're not here on Wednesday night. Some people only exhibit godly character in the presence of other godly people. You know, have you ever bumped into somebody that you know from the church? I don't necessarily mean this church. Maybe. Have you ever actually bumped into somebody, you know, kind of you know, unexpectedly that you know is a Christian and here they've got a cigarette in their mouth and when they see you, they put it out quickly and say, Glory! Oh, there I see the glory cloud. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, you know. And <laughs> we should not be spiritual chameleons who change our colors based on our environment. So like if tomorrow you, you took a flight to Bangkok, would you be the same essential person that you are now or do you suddenly turn into somebody different? Come on, we've known people. We've known people that, you know, went to another city to work or something like that and, you know, they, they just kind of just stopped following the Lord altogether. Next time you see them, you're like looking at that person like, I don't even think I know you anymore. No, no, you need to be the same person. So in other words, you should not live this way because of external pressures or motivations or the expectations of society. You should live life from the inside. Because something on the inside is working on the outside. That's why you live the way you live. Because, you know, nobody can just follow you around everywhere you go and check on you. But you've got the spirit of God. You've got the life of God in you all the time, everywhere you go. Godly character. Now, maybe this topic does not particularly excite you. But what what do we want is not for you just to get excited. We want you to be changed. And if you develop more in godly character, maybe you won't be excited, but your wife will be excited. And you know who you are. (laughs) Amen. Your family will be, your neighbors will be so happy. Praise the Lord. Godly character is the result of spiritual maturity we're talking about believers now godly character is the result of spiritual maturity now what what is spiritual maturity hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 defines spiritual maturity and this is one definition it's rather a curious definition though it defines maturity as having your powers of discernment trained that's kind of interesting your powers of discernment. I know you're thinking, I didn't know I had any powers of discernment. We didn't know you had any either. Your powers of discernment trained, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. In other words, it means your spirit is trained to always recognize what is good. And the implication is also, and to choose what is good, right? So character, character is seen in the thousands of little decisions you make every day. Character is not just seen in the one or two major decisions of your life, although that that can be, that's certainly true, but it's really seen in the everyday living. As I said, the thousands of little decisions you make every day. To do this, to not do this, to say this, to not say this, to go here, to not go here, all of those things. And lack of character then is the clearest indication of lack of maturity, right? So some people try to impress you with their knowledge of the Bible, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll quote scriptures and say, well, I've read this book and I've been to this conference and so forth and I've been to this school even, but, but, but character is not knowledge. It's not what you know, it's what you show. Right? So you can know a lot and still have no character. Right? Praise the Lord. So notice again this scripture verse that we read in Hebrews 5.14. It talks about, you know, your powers of discernment. And you discern things in your heart. But it says we are trained by constant practice. By constant practice. The Greek word translated practice in this verse is the word hexis. Texas i believe it's pronounced that way and that word means a habit a habit a habit godly character is not something you manifest once in a while even the most dirty rotten scoundrel can once in a while do something good that that doesn't that doesn't establish a person's character Godly character, good character is a daily lifestyle. So we wanna get away from, and it's important to remind you, we wanna get away from the special event Christianity. We wanna get away from the special event Christianity. Any special speakers coming? Any special conference coming? You know, when you're mature, every day can be special. When you walk with God, every day can be an opportunity to experience more of the Lord in your life. And God's not interested in just seeing you on holidays. CEO, Christmas, Easter only, Christian. God wants you to be an everyday believer. Amen? This is called a walk, right? That means, it means you're constantly moving right? Praise the Lord. So godly character is a daily lifestyle. So the word, the word here, trained by constant practice, means habits. So we, we form our habits, and then our habits form us. So you can't have godly character and have bad habits, right? There's a man, uh, I'm not sure if he's even a Christian, but he made an interesting statement, He was referring to something Aristotle said, but he said this. His name is Will Durant. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, a single action, but a habit. Okay, so, you know, uh, praise God for the wonderful praise and worship folks, the the fellas, uh, the the gals and guys that led us uh, this evening. It's so wonderful and it was really good, so wonderful. But you know, every musician knows this, if you want to play better, you have to, dun, 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 pray more. You can do that if you want, but you need to practice. (laughs) You have to practice, right? So that means a musician, you know, a singer too, but a musician goes over the same parts again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And again. You know, uh, you can't come to the church rehearsal and then try to learn it. No, no, you, you learn it at home. Right? You, you learn it up, you know, backwards and forwards and, you know, every which way but loose so that you can play it without thinking. Say like the fellow's playing the guitar or something like that. If the next chord is a C, they can't go, okay, C. Okay, my third finger goes here and my second finger goes here. Now, we're already on another chord now. I mean, you know, you're too late, <laughs> right? So th- when, it, when you have practiced, it becomes something you can do without even giving a lot of conscious thought to it. It becomes second nature to you. You can do it in your sleep. So we need to habitually live life from the inside, letting what God has poured into our spirit flow to the outside. And that result is called character. Right? Ooh, it's quiet. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone said, I thought he's going to maybe preach on miracles. That's we need. That's what exactly what I'm preaching on. We're praying to see a miracle in your life. (laughs) You know, what's the point of having being healed and having your needs met if you still live like the devil? Oh, going back to Romans 5, verse 3 and 4, it says, suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. Character is something that is developed. Eternal life is a gift. The very moment you believe, you have it. Jesus said, he that believes has everlasting life. But character is cultivated. See, every Christian has eternal life. Every born-again child of God has eternal life. But not everybody has good character. Character is something that is developed. Now, suffering per se, suffering by itself, does not give you patience. If that was true, everybody who ever suffered in this world would automatically have lots of patience. But that's not necessarily the case. Suffering provides you with an opportunity to develop patience. So have you ever prayed for patience? I can tell by that look on your face, probably not. (laughs) Think about it. By the way, we could just think about it. You know, write down the things you pray about. Top of the list for most people is money. If I just had more money, all my problems would be over. See, what you think you need may not be what you really need. It's interesting, the Apostle Paul often asked people to pray for him. Well, I should say, uh, from time to time, he asked people to pray for him. Not once did he ever say, pray for me. I really am struggling to pay my bills. I need more money. I'm in debt. He never once said that. In fact, the, the thing that we pray about the most is the thing that they were concerned about the least. So maybe you need to be praying for godly character... And if you had, and I'm not trying to be uh, condescending, all of us, of course, you know. Maybe we need to be praying for godly character because if we had more character, we would also have more prosperity and more other things that we need. Amen. So you pray for patience. What does God do? Does he say, okay, yeah, that's, that's my will for you. I have a bucket of patience right here. And I'm going to pour it over your head. One, two, three, boom, there it goes. Now, you pray for patience, and what does God do? He gives you an opportunity to exercise patience. What, what could that opportunity be? Well, it might be sitting here listening to me speak right now. I might think, oh, oh, God, please let me go home. <laughs> right? Amen? Right? You, you say, oh, Lord, help me to be more loving. What does God do? He just anoints you with a special uh, measure of love. Now He sends some unloving people your way. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So, owning a set of barbells does not instantly give you muscles. How many of us have bought, purchased exercise machines? And then they just kind of just sat there, got all rusty and broke down, you know. But, you know, it doesn't do anything for you unless you apply yourself, right? So you develop in Christ-like character through spiritual exercise, Like, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not the guy to talk about this. But, you know, every, every, everybody wants to have a good physique, you know, and, you know, look good like that. But, again, you know, it, it doesn't happen because, you know, the pastor laid hands and pray Pray for me that I'll have more muscles. Pray for me that I'll lose weight. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. You have to apply yourself, right? All right. Well, same thing with godly character, right? Maybe you're just praying. Oh, God, give me character. And then, you know, but you don't ever apply yourself, and it it never happens. So the more you exercise spiritually, the stronger you get. Right? So that means your patience increases. Your strength increases. Right? You don't fall apart at the seams every time somebody looks at you funny. Nobody ate my potato salad at the church picnic. I'm never coming back. Come on, some people are not near as strong as they think. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin told the story. He pastored for twelve years. He told the story about one man who always bragged about how 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 developed he was, what a mature Christian he was, and all he knew. And then he didn't see that church member for several weeks. And he asked one of the church members or the ushers or something, what happened to Brother Zamazam? I haven't seen him. Oh, Brother Hagen, that's a sad story. He thought that the man was going to say, you know, somebody died or something happened. He says, oh, no, he came a few weeks to church, and someone was seated in his spot. <laughs> and he got offended and didn't come back. He's bragging about how, how strong he is, how mature he is. He's just a big baby. Oh. If you are easily offended, you are obviously not mature. Is it possible that, that you could have opportunities to be offended in the body of Christ? Oh, welcome to my world. <laughs> Absolutely that people will say things, maybe they didn't think about it or, or whatever. Maybe you interpreted it the wrong way or a thousand different reasons. You need to be strong. And that doesn't happen just because you read a book or you said, Lord, make me strong. You have to walk it out. You have to exercise spiritually. Someone says something a little unflattering and you just say, that's all right. Your greatness is determined by what you are willing to ignore. Don't take to heart everything you hear. I'm not talking about my message. I'm talking about everything you hear out there. Don't don't take to heart every word you hear. And remember that you yourself have also said things that you wish you hadn't said. Amen. So out of steadfastness, character is developed. So if you quit... Every time there's a little challenge, you'll never have much character. You can't be a quitter and be spiritually strong. Now, when it comes to bad habits, yeah, you do need to quit that. But I'm talking about whenever there's adversity and you just collapse like a house of cards, well, that's, that's an area where you need to definitely need to grow. Right? Some people are just ready to quit everything. I think some people, even in the church world, are just one unanswered prayer away from walking away from the whole thing. No, 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 no. God God didn't quit you. Don't you quit him. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Glory to God. Out of steadfastness, character is developed. If you quit every time there's a challenge, you won't have much patience. And then without patience, you won't have much character. And without character, you won't have much hope. So suffering, whether you like it or not, suffering is a necessary ingredient to living the abundant life. It's all in the mix. I wanna be more like Jesus. Get ready to suffer. (laughs) I'm not telling you that you have to go to the cross. I'm just telling you, you have to bear the cross. (laughs) In other words, you're gonna have to obey God when your flesh doesn't wanna do it. Now, do I know what that's like? Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) absolutely I know what that's like, right? Praise the Lord, you do too, right? But not only to experience suffering, but to endure it and rejoice in it. Some people just grit their teeth and hang on. But you gotta praise God in the trial because I know something. This is all part of God's personal development plan for my life. He's working on me. He, he's the potter. I'm the clay. He's shaping me. God may allow me. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about suffering with diabetes or cancer. I'm, you don't, we're redeemed from that. But you're not redeemed from persecution. You're not redeemed from unpleasantness. Right? You're going to go through some stuff, and you might as well know that right now. If you don't know that, you're, you're, going to, you're not going to go very far. Amen? Hallelujah? Ah, I feel I'm suffering right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, let's move on. So, so if you quit, you won't develop endurance. Without well, endurance, you won't have character. Without character, you won't have much hope. Now, the Greek word for character in Romans 5, 4 is the word Dokime, dokime, and it actually means testing. The Greek word translated character literally means testing and it can refer to either the process of being tested or, or the results of the test. It can refer to the test itself or the end result of the test. So it can mean proof or being approved. Character is proof. Character proves to others and to ourselves that we are who we claim to be. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 22, Paul said this, but you know Timothy's proven worth. Dokime, same word. You know Timothy's proven worth. How, as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel? How was Timothy proven? You know the proof, or his proven character, some translations say. Well, how was Tim- Timothy's worth proven? Did Paul give him a written examination? All right? There's 50 questions. It's true or false. Multiple choice spell the word sanctified. No, no, that's not it. <laughs> Life itself tests us. Life itself tests us. In this journey there are multiple occasions where we are faced with difficult choices. I told you that character is revealed in the choices we make. In this life, multiple times, many times, we are faced with difficult choices, either to do what is convenient, easy, pleasing, but morally wrong, or to do what is right, even though it is unpleasant and inconvenient. That's where character is developed. Character is not revealed in delightful conditions, but in hardships. It is exposed under pressure. So suffering brings out the best and the worst in people. The, the New Testament talks about uh, tribulation. But when you hear the word tribulation, you're probably thinking about like end time events. But actually the word tribulation, thlipsis is the Greek word, means pressure. External pressure. So if you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out. And when the squeeze is coming on your life, whatever's on the inside, good, bad, and ugly, it's coming out. How many, of you, and I don't even, you don't have to raise your hand, of course. But how many of you have ever been angry and found your vocabulary was altered? where did that come from? <laughs> it's really bad when you're like hammering away, you know, and you hit your thumb with the hammer and out comes this bad word. And then you turn and go, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> I didn't know you were there. <laughs> I've been there. How about you? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So character, our true character is revealed when we're under pressure. See, in the air conditioning, comfortable padded seat, you know, sipping on tea. That that, that that really doesn't prove anything. I mean, even the worst human being can probably act, you know, uh, cordial in those, in those situations. What about when you're inconvenienced? What about when you feel slighted? What about when you are insulted? Then we find out what you're made out of. And you will, you'll find out yourself what's on the inside, amen? So character is very important, very important. It's important to God, you see. Now I'm gonna change gears for just a second here and I just have a few, uh, few minutes left, uh, just, a, just three or four hours to go here. Notice with me, Matthew chapter five, verse 48. We wanna finish before breakfast. Notice Matthew chapter five, And verse 48, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible, the the classic version of the Amplified Bible. You, therefore, must be perfect. I think the King James says, be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You know, what does that mean, be perfect? Well, does that mean like, well, I've got a pimple here, I've got a gray hair. No, no, we're not talking about that kind of perfection. You, therefore, must be perfect. It says then, growing in complete maturity, of godliness in mind and character. So that's what we're talking about. You then must be perfect, or in other words, you must grow to a state of maturity of godliness, being living in a godly way, living like the Lord would have you to live, in mind and character. Notice this, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your heavenly Father is perfect. I want you to notice it says, talks about character, and then it says reaching the proper height of virtue and integrity. One very important component, absolutely fundamental component of Christ-like character is integrity. Integrity. Integrity means First of all, that you are honest, completely honest. Integrity means that you say what you mean and you mean what you say. It is being sincere and straightforward, making no attempt to mislead Others. Notice this scripture, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. This is the New Testament now, Colossians 3 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self or the old man with its practices. We have stripped away the old sinful nature in the new birth, tossing it aside like a, a, a worn out garment. Therefore, we must be completely truthful with others. Now, being diplomatic and careful in our words is fine. Often, that's a very good thing. Lying is unacceptable. Again, being careful in your words, that's fine. You know, your wife puts on a dress and says, do you think this dress makes me look fat? And this is when you need to stop and pray. Oh, <laughs> help me, Father. <laughs> so you want to be careful in your words, right? But lying is unacceptable. Because that's a sin. God hates lying. He detests it. God cannot lie, and he will never tell you to lie to others. Never. In John 8:44, 44, Jesus said of the devil, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. For some people, lying comes easy. I mean, they don't even blush. No, m- most many people that we know, we know they're lying. Their cheeks are all red, and they stammer and stutter, and eh, you're lying. You're not even doing a good job of it. But some people are pros. They are so skillful in lying. And what's really bad is when you're so good at lying, you even believe your own lie. <laughs> huh? But that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. Hmm? There are some people, it's easy to tell when they're lying. How do you know when he's lying? His lips are moving. (laughs) In other words, every time he opens his mouth, he's lying. You see, the Greek word for devil, diabolos, means liar. Actually, it means false accuser, slanderer. Well, that's pretty close, isn't it? False accuser, slanderer. So when you spread false rumors about someone else, or you repeat to another something that you know is probably not true, you are like diabolos. That's well, real quiet in this uh, Roman Catholic church, isn't it? Come on. When you twist a story, you know, kind of, you kind of like leave a little part out here and enhance a little part out here to make yourself look better and the other person look worse. You are like diabolos. See. You know, if you take a, a, a photograph, a, like a digital picture from your cell phone, and then you like, you know, pull the nose out or make the head bigger, make it smaller, you start stretching it, moving it, then it, it, it ceases to resemble the actual person. Right? You do that every time you take a profile picture. So, so, you know, that um, when you start stretching and massaging and bending the truth, when you distort the truth, that's called lying, Notice this scripture, again, New Testament. Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of of another. So that means when it comes to lying, put it away. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Right? It doesn't say... Well, sometimes you can lie, but most of the time you want to tell the truth. No, no, no. Put it away. Throw it away. Toss it out. Have nothing to do with it. You hear some people say, well, Brother Zama Zama is basically honest. Basically honest? Yeah. What does that mean? He only lies when he has to. That means you're a liar. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, no. The Bible talks about... Who shall ascend into the, 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 the presence of the Lord? Who will stand on his holy hill? And one of them is he who swears to his own hurt and repenteth not. In other words, he, he, refu- he keeps his word and he will not lie. He will not lie. Praise the Lord. You, your, your motto should be, I'd rather die than lie. Amen. Once again, just, just think about it. God hates lying. It's, it's the nature of the devil. Hmm? So a person who is deceived is at a disadvantage because he is believing something that is not true. A person who is deceived about something is at a disadvantage. When you believe a lie, you're at a disadvantage because you're operating uh, with the wrong information. Lying is not being factually incorrect about something. People can be honestly mistaken, you know. Lying is when you attempt to delude another. A liar is a deceiver. Hallelujah. Love never lies. I'm talking about the agape kind of love. Love never lies. Well, because I loved you, I lied to you. That's not the God kind of love. I don't know what kind of love that is. That, that's just your own selfish kind of love. That's not God's love. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says, love rejoices with the truth. Love loves the truth. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you really love someone, you will tell them the truth like I said, you can be careful how you say that. And you don't have to volunteer every thought that pops in your head. Right? You don't have to, after we dismiss the service, you don't have to walk up to somebody and say, last night I had some really bad thoughts about you. Well, maybe that doesn't necessarily need to be communicated. You just need to pray about that, get rid of that. You don't have to tell everybody everything you're thinking. That would be unwise. Right? So, uh, you know, I had some, again, kind of similar thing. I had one after one service, one person, one young lady came, this is years ago, came up to me and she had done her hair a certain way. And she said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She said, do you like my hairdo? And I said, do you like it? <laughs> that's all that matters. If you like it, that's all that matters. I'm not going to lie to a person. See, we, the Bible talks about speaking the truth in love. Some people are truthful, but they don't, they don't say it in love. They're just very honest. I hate you. <laughs> You're ugly. <laughs> you irritate me. Well, no, no. Speak the truth in love, right? But don't lie to a person. Don't lie to them. The church is full of liars. The church world is full of liars. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but somebody gets up and sings a special number, and it's not special, it's just terrible, it's dreadful. And then they come up to the microphone and say, thank you, Sister Dua, for that most amazing and wonderful song. <laughs> you lying dog, you. You know that's a lie. <laughs> you, can, you can be kind, but you don't have, but don't lie. I mean, the church world is full of liars. Hey, are you coming to the Sunday night service? Oh, I'm going to try my level best. Well, we know you won't be there. <laughs> that's a lie. That's a lie. You can just say no. And you don't even have to give people, well, I mean, I'm talking about church, but whatever. You don't have to give people a, a reason. Are you coming to the service tonight? No, I'm not coming. And they're like waiting for you to say, because my grandmother, because my exam. Well, you don't, you don't necessarily have to give somebody a reason, but don't lie. Oh, Ah, you know, I wanted to come. I I couldn't come. You couldn't come? Did somebody break your leg? Somebody held a gun to your head? No, you're lying again. You chose not to come. Just say, I didn't come. Come on. There's a lot of liars in the body of Christ. They don't tell the truth. They're dishonest. That is being ungodly. That is being ungodly. In Genesis chapter 20... Abraham and Sarah journeyed to the country of the Philistines. And when they got there, Abraham said of Sarah, She's my sister. This is my sister. Well, that was partly true, it was also partly untrue. See, a half truth is a whole lie. She was his stepsister but she was also his wife. So he, he said that because he intentionally wanted to mislead other people because he thought, if they know it's my wife, they'll kill me and they'll take her. One reason people lie is because they're not fully trusting God. When you lie, you are not trusting God. God can take care of you, Abraham. He can protect you. He said, I am your shield and great shall be your reward. I'm El Shaddai. He can protect you. He can take care. He he doesn't need you to start lying to help him out. Amen. When you are lying, you are not walking in faith. And so Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, after hearing this, sent his men to take Sarah to be his wife. So the thing Abraham was afraid of actually happened. They did take her. Abraham was in fear. People shade the truth, they spin it, they conceal it because of fear. Because of fear. They're afraid how the other person will react. If I tell him the truth, if I tell her the truth, they may get angry. Have integrity and trust God. You're not responsible for other people's reactions. You are responsible for your own actions. Amen. That night, God appeared to Abimelech in a dream and told him that he was in serious trouble because Sarah was another man's wife. And Abimelech defended himself, this is Genesis 20 verse five, and said this to the Lord, did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. So taking somebody else's wife is wrong. But Abimelech truthfully did not know she was married. That's why God supernaturally intervened. If you walk in integrity, even if you're mistaken about something, you're wrong about something, God can clear it up for you. God can show you, and actually, what you're doing is not right. you need to make a change here. He can let it be known to you. Hallelujah, but that won't happen. If you are dishonest and insincere, hallelujah. Come on, here's another scripture. Proverbs 12:22. I'll be done in just a couple of minutes, and I'm not lying. A couple, I don't mean two, but I mean in a short while. that's what I mean. Proverbs 12:22. Lying lips are a delight to the Lord. Lying lips. Are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. The word abomination is a very strong word. It doesn't mean mildly displeasing. It doesn't mean like, oh uh, tisk tisk, not so good. It means it's horrible, it's unthinkable, it's disgusting. The same word, abomination, is used to describe worshiping idols and homosexuality. Just disgusting. So you see that lying is not in this little category of little minor faults. No, it's in this category of major terrible things. If somebody tells a lie, whoa, wait a minute, the music should stop. Wait a minute, did somebody just tell a lie? That's how serious this is. God hates lying. Some Christians, you know, they'll, 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 they don't care. They'll say, it's just a little white lie. Just a little fib. Diablos. Diablos. That, that's, that's, the, that's devilish thinking. Hmm? For some people, lying is a game. So I think they just do it for fun. Of course, people in the world are like that. I, in the business world, I, I got to finish. But in the business world, I, I, w- I worked alongside of people, you know, and they're not Christians. And, you know, they, I don't think they could tell the truth. I think they had forgotten how to tell the truth. Every t- everything was a lie. And the problem is, eventually, you will be exposed. And when it's discovered that you're not telling a tr- the truth then who can have confidence in anything you say? No one will believe you. Integrity means your word is dependable, that others have the same kind of faith in what you say, just like they do in what God says. This is essential. God takes delight in those who speak the truth. God said to Abimelech in verse 6, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. God knows what you know. I said, God knows what you know. He knows if you're operating with inaccurate information. He knows if you have been deceived. He knows if you have been misinformed. And he knows your heart. God said, Yes, Abimelech, you're correct about this. I know that you are being honest, you are being sincere. You genuinely did not know that this woman was already married. And he said, that's why I intervened and I stopped you. Listening to me? See, praise the Lord. Then he told Abimelech, give Sarah back to her husband because her husband is a prophet once again. How would Abimelech know this man's a prophet except God told him? He's a prophet. So he returned Sarah to Abraham and said to him, what were you thinking? What's wrong with you? This is my own translation. What's wrong with you? Are you out of your mind? Why did you? See, they took Sarah and evidently Abraham didn't even protest. The king's men came and took your wife away, and he just kind of went. He didn't even say, Wait a minute, you can't take her. He just let it happen. It It was not his finest moment. Usually in the Bible, we see prophets rebuking kings for being dishonest and unfaithful. Now we have the king rebuking the prophet. It's really bad. It's really bad when the sinners have more integrity than the saints. Has that ever happened to you? Please don't raise your hand. Where you haven't been truthful, you haven't been honest and the shopkeeper is more honest than you or the guy working in the office or in the classroom is more honest than you and you get, you get, it gets discovered. That's embarrassing. Here I've told everybody I'm a Christian and they found out that I can't tell the truth. That's bad, my friend, that's bad. In fact, uh, Abraham then prayed for Abimelech in verse 17 and God healed Abimelech and his family. This is the first time the word healing is found in the Bible. This is the very first time in Scripture the word healing is found. It's the first time somebody prayed that we have record of. First time that we have a record of somebody praying for healing. Integrity has something to do with being healed. I said integrity has something to do with being healed. If you don't tell the truth, you will find it impossible to believe that others are telling the truth. You'll think they're liars just like you. But when you are a person of integrity, then it's easy for you to believe what God says because you say, that's how I live too. Are you out there today? So I'm gonna close my notebook so that you'll feel better. This is a peculiar, peculiar story It's rather odd, you know, and 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 in one sense it it, not only is that strange, but it seems like kind of a like what's going on here? But you see, what if Abimelech, that's the king of the Philistines, what if he had had intimacy with Sarah? That would have derailed the whole plan of redemption. Because God had already said that through Isaac, the child of promise, the Christ would come. Not through Abimelech, through Isaac. That would have thrown every... Can you see how the devil was trying to use this to upend and ruin everything? See, a lot of times telling a little lie at the moment seems like no big deal. But the consequences of it could have repercussions for generations to come. In this case, it was like that. So ironically, the sinner had some integrity, and God said, I know that, and because of that, I'm going to help you. Let's be people of character. Let's be people who speak the truth in love. Can you stand with me to your feet today? Praise the Lord.